Welcome to this conversation. I'm Teresa Keller, and my host today is Dr. Linda Dopkins. She's a professor emeritus of economics at Emory and Henry College. She's also an author, and we're not going to get her off onto that topic until much later in the interview, because we're going to make her work first before she gets <laughs> uh, to talk about the fun stuff. But Dr. Dobkins is willing to be a frequent guest and talk to us when there are big things going on, on the econ in the economy. So thank you very much, Dr. Dobkins, for being with us today. Well, I'm delighted to be here because uh, the economy is a big thing right now. So, Well, the, th the headlines are always inflation. We're having inflation. We've got to fix it. How will we fix it? And will it cause a recession? So I guess we'll start with why do we have inflation? Why is that a problem? Sometimes that question is asked as who caused this inflation? And what I want to say is I did. Oh, I you're the guilty culprit. I, I am the culprit because during the COVID outbreak, and you know, you've probably heard me say this before, inflation and many economic problems are equal opportunity across parties. I know everything is partisan these days, but this one really is not. Both parties voted while they were in office to give me money that I didn't strictly speaking need. Okay. And so for a long time, I, I put it in, in a savings account that's bearing no interest these days, but you know, I, okay. So I just put it there. And then as the pandemic started to recede, I was antsy to spend some of that money. And we went out and we, we got a newer car and we put this wonderful new roof over our deck so we can sit outside and it's just wonderful. And, and it's not that the money totally paid for those things, but it didn't hurt. And on top of that, we felt confident. I felt confident as an economist that the government wasn't going to let us fall into a recession because of the pandemic. Okay. So I went out and spent money. My husband and I love to eat out. So once we felt safe doing so, we started going out and eating out again and spending money. Okay. And you say, how could that cause inflation? Well, it's me and about a hundred other million people who did the same thing, okay? We all went out and spent money and I knew, not all of those people knew, but I knew that there were supply chain shortages in there. I knew that there are ships backed up outside China that can't get stuff to us. Um, the guys who are building our, our roof were saying, boy, it's hard to get this lumber these days and it's hard to get this and that. And, and I knew there were all of those supply side problems and I went out and spent money anyway. And that is a recipe for inflation. And it's no one person that caused it. It's a whole bunch of people just like me, okay? Essentially cause inflation or for that matter, cause recessions when it plays the other way. Okay, because we were we were just so happy <laughs> to be past COVID and we had a little bit of money the government had given us and we had confidence in the government, both governments, okay, and we went out and spent money. And that's what caused inflation. So did we really, I mean, despite the inflation, 100 million people in this country or whatever specific number it was, because we were buying so much, is that what caused the supply chain issue or was it more because of COVID? It's the, the yes, COVID caused the supply chain issues. 
Okay, and this, I'm sorry, I'm going to fall into lecture mode if you're not careful here. Um, supply and demand are always separate. Okay, the supply chain issues are because COVID would cause a plant here or there to close down. And you'd think that, oh, I mean, it's a huge economy. How could that be a big deal? But we've all seen, to, to get into a current issue, the plant that makes tampons closes down and suddenly there's a shortage. You know, We have so over the years, particularly in this century, concentrated production that when a plant closes down because of some little problem or some big problem, like 50% of them have COVID or something, suddenly the whole things just don't work. You know, um, one of the reasons we bought a car was because we, I saw coming a problem because I read that um, auto parts were gonna be in short supply. And if the auto parts are in short supply, then that whole chain collapses. And that could be in Mexico, it could be in Tennessee, it could be wherever, you know, but the, the, the economy is so global that if you get a problem somewhere, you've got supply problems elsewhere. And if there's not enough stuff and everybody wants to go out and buy something, that is just, I mean, that's inflation from two sides. Usually we get inflation from one side or the other. This was inflation from both sides and it was just bound to happen. You know, I mean, everybody wants something that yes. they have the money and yes. that the supply people can't keep up, especially yes. when they have worker shortages and then the prices just go through the roof and then people Absolutely. freak out and they're scared. Yes. We sometimes say the money is chasing not enough goods. You know, there's not enough stuff out there to spend money on. And it sort of happened that a lot of us started at the same time. I mean, that's why I'm making it personal. I mean, I sat there for almost two years and I'm going, oh, this is nice to have this extra money in my savings account. But then suddenly, you know, oh, a roof on the porch. The crew will come out and do that now. You know, <laughs> I had a year and a half where they wouldn't come out and do it. Suddenly they'll do that and I can buy the car and my granddaughter got married and I spent more money than I possibly <laughs> should have or could have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying her stuff and wedding, you know, wedding stuff and all, you know, you can imagine. Okay. So suddenly I'm feeling free to spend money, but there's not always enough, enough stuff out there. I went into a grand furniture because I wanted a new footstool and I decided, okay, I can now go out and shop. The stores are open. And what I get from a woman's from the clerk is this, she's saying, oh, it's so good you came in right now because next week all these prices are going up 20% because we can't get enough furniture in. Which you know, I, I could have said, I try not to be an economist when I'm out in public, but I could have said, actually, you don't have to raise your prices, <laughs> but you choose to <laughs> because, because businesses are having that response. You know, They can't get enough footstools. So they're raising the prices on the ones they have don't they have to pay more too? They probably do. I doubt that they have to pay 20% more. And, and I think President Biden has gone after businesses for price gouging. And price gouging can't happen until companies see consumers doing what I was doing, you know, saying, oh, you know, she's going to pay 20% more for that. You know, okay, maybe we'll go up 25%. You know, I mean, companies can't price gouge until 
the the great mass of us start buying things but i suspect there is some of that going on and i'm not accusing grand furniture of that you know some companies just said we don't know what's going on with a pandemic this is unknown territory so we're just going to cut back on production and i think that furniture manufacturing was one of those i think that auto manufacturing was one of those Okay. Let's just back up for a second. I have heard people throughout uh, the the growth of this inflation, the increasing inflation, oh, the Biden bucks, and you can't get anybody to work anymore because they got money and uh, they realize that working is too hard and so they don't work anymore. How much truth is there to that? I suspect there were people who changed their work habits. Um, I, despite the fact I'm retired and I have no particular reason to do this, I still follow the monthly reports of how many people are applying for, for unemployment insurance. And of course that has plummeted. And therefore while it was up, of course, and now it's plummeted. And there are a lot of people out there changing jobs. So I think it is true that people, the, the workforce is unsettled. Okay. That doesn't mean it's bad. And the unemployment rate is a wonderfully low number. Okay. I mean, that is not the problem right now in the economy. I know there's talk of a recession and that's certainly possible. And I'll talk about why and what to do about it or, or not. But, but I think there are people who, once they were forced to stay home from their fairly low paying job and, and people's real wages haven't gone up for ages, you know, suddenly said, you know, I don't need to work at three waitress jobs. You know, I'm going to cut back to two of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you know, I can make do here. And if I can get some more money and restaurants who were suddenly faced with onslaughts of people like me, you know, suddenly eating out again, could afford to pay them as far as those being Biden bucks. I mean, there were Trump bucks out there before that, you know, I mean, certainly the both parties responded okay, to the to the pandemic by saying we have got to bolster the economy. And I got the same amount of money from, I think, from the Biden administration as from the Trump administration. It's it, it's not particularly in a even a partisan thing at this point. Uh, you know, the, the line that I remember so well, and then perhaps you do too from the 90s, it's the economy, stupid. You know, I mean, it, it, everyone takes, every politician takes advantage of the economy for better or for worse. Very few politicians do things that are directly aimed at changing the economy. They spend money, which is almost always for another reason. It's been a long time since we've had someone that just went out and spent money. And, and when I say someone, I mean a Congress that went out and spent money just to aid us in a recession. And that was back, um, it was during, and see, this is the problem. It was during the Obama administration, but no president has the power to spend the kind of money that would cause an inflation or pull us out of a recession. That is Congress's duty. It says it right there in the Constitution, Congress has the power to spend and to tax. And those are the two powers that a Congress can use if they will do so. So it's more like the buck stops here that whoever's the president yeah. takes the blame. Yes, or takes the benefit. 
because presidents will say, oh, look how wonderful the economy is doing on my watch. Look how, look how wonderful the stock market is, as if that's a gauge of the economy. You know, and, and presidents don't control that. All presidents have is a, as Theodore Roosevelt said, a bully, a bully pulpit. I always have trouble saying that, a bully pulpit. You know, they can talk the economy up or down, maybe, you know, and that is all they can do. And because, let me, let me say it this way, if a president could control the economy, wouldn't the economy always be wonderful? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the obvious way to get elected is to fix the economy? I mean, nobody on purpose tanks the economy, you know, and no, and if they could fix it when it does tank on its own, because people like me go out and spend too much money, they would do it, you know, but that's not something a president can control. And quite frankly, Congress is fairly inept at it because they have other priorities. They're doing politics, not economics. My guest today is Dr. Linda Dobkins. She is a professor emeritus in economics from Emory and Henry College. And she's talking to us about the cycle that we're in right now of increasing inflation and the concern about recession. Dr. Dobkins, Linda, I wanted to ask you another question. And I don't know whether this pertains to the things you've been talking about, about inflation and recession, but I've heard the term super capitalism. You did give the example of a tampon factory quits working and there's a shortage and then the prices go up and all that. The same thing happened with baby formula. Yeah. And part of the problem in that ter the term super capitalism suggests that companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they wanna make more and more money. So they cut and cut and cut with employees and maybe quality or something else. But how much of that is true that that's a problem? And does it affect what we're talking about? I believe it does. I think it affects us over on the supply chain side in this episode that we're having right now. Because again, I'm not even sure that I was able to sort out how many tampon manufacturers there are. It is a, it is a feature of sort of super capitalism that you get companies merging and merging. And, and back in Econ 101, we, we say, you know, that's a problem of monopoly. Because if you let businesses just do what they want to do, their tendency is to want to become a monopolist. Okay? And they want to become a monopolist because they can control the amount of supply out there. Therefore, they can up the price. And they also have more control over their workers. You know, if you're a, let's, instead of tampon makers, let's, let's. Or, baby or formula. Instead, or baby formula or even automobiles. Talk about automobiles there. Those are skilled workers, but if there's only one or two companies to work for, then those companies can depress wages because it's not so easy just to pick up and say, oh, I'm going to go across the street and work for somebody. You know, when economists talk about the wonders of capitalism, they are usually picturing uh, at least a fair number of producers of any given good. Okay. They, economists worry about monopoly power as much as they worry about these macro issues like inflation and recession, because, and you can see why now, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can just imagine standing in front of a classroom right now and talking about tampons, but, but you can imagine, you know, if there's only one big producer out there, 
Okay? Or even if there's two, two can collude really easily. You know, I mean, that is a disaster waiting to happen for the people working in the plant and for the people who want to buy that product. Okay? So yes, super capitalism is, is, um, has been sort of uncovered. You know, it, it's been going on for a while, that trend toward mergers, toward fewer producers, toward monopoly power, and the pandemic and these problems we're having helped uncover some of that. And deregulation, it's the question of how much should the government try to control these companies? And some people scream at any regulation. They do. And they do. And then the reverse is true. That well, there's guess, no baby food or no tampons. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because exactly. the companies are, because they're monopolies, because they, they're right. so big and so few right. Right. that they have that much control. Now, how does all of this, we've talked about kind of inflation and why the prices go up and especially in, exacerbated by supply chain issues. But where does recession come into this? Why are, it's like increased inflation and now we're afraid of recession. Absolutely. Um, years ago, when I was doing a radio program, I actually, I'm sure you helped, or one of your students did at some point, talked about the economy is a big dog, because we all need an image in our head of how this works, okay? And what you need to picture here is trying to walk a dog down the street. Sounds simple, unless you've actually done it a lot. Um, <laughs> just, just not too long, about a couple of months ago, I sort of fostered a, a foxhound, a young foxhound, purebred foxhound who smelled everything in the world. And as I would try to walk him out at Sugar Hollow Park, he was all over the place. You know, his nose is leading him here or there. He was dragging me. He was, you know, if I tried to let him loose in, a, in the play in the dog park, he tried to go under the fit. I mean, he was just really hard to control. That is the analogy for an economy that's experiencing inflation. It's sort of that hyperactivity where everybody's out trying to spend money or, you know, looking for a different job. You know, I mean, it's, things are just unsettled. That's a hard dog to walk. Okay? And the person or the entity controlling that dog that has a leash on that dog is the Federal Reserve. Okay? The Federal Reserve is the only agency we have that's truly dedicated to only worrying about the economy, okay? And they have the leash on this dog, okay? Now, then there's other dogs that are hard to walk for the opposite reason. My daughter has a golden retriever and I tried to, and he grew up in flat country down in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I introduced him to climbing hills out at Sugar Hollow. And at some point she actually would just stop she would just refuse to, I mean, she would look around at me like another hill lady, I'm not doing this, you know, and she would just stop. And I could not drag her 80 pounds, sometimes one way or the other, okay? That is the equivalent of an economy that's in a recession, okay? Where people aren't yeah. spending? Where people aren't spending, where the whole economy just gets slower and slower. People are starting to say, oh, now I'm worried about recession. I'm just gonna stop spending. In my case, I would say, okay, I'm not doing any more improvements around the house. I'm not going out to eat as much. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start cooking again. <laughs> okay? I, I'm just not going to go out and spend money like I was doing there for a while. And if 100 million of us all start doing that at the same time, that's the equivalent of that dog slowing down. And the dog can slow down really quickly. 
the dog can go from frenetic activity, which is inflation, to just stopping dead on the sidewalk, which is recession. Okay. Let me see yeah. if this is, if I'm understanding this right. So prices are going up and up and up and up. And then I start getting scared and everybody gets scared along with me. And then we all just go, oh my gosh, we got to slow down. Precisely. Precisely. Okay. And so what are you doing back here? If you're the fed holding the leash on this dog, if the dog is trying to run away from you, you pull back on the leash. And this is a choke collar, okay? This, this isn't, you know, some nice halter thing, you know, with flowers in it or something. This is a choke collar, okay? If you're the Fed and inflation is going out of control and everyone's screaming at you, although the Fed is pretty good at not listening to people who scream at them, but nevertheless, they are going to pull back on that leash, okay? And the question is, how hard will they pull back? If they pull back too hard on that leash, then it is much more likely that the dog will come to a dead stop and sort of stop and make strangled noises. And, and that can cause a recession. The fear that we're hearing out there is that as, as the Fed, and the Fed is about the only one doing this, tries to slow down that dog. The dog, meaning all of us who suddenly go, oh my gosh, Look, interest rates are going up. Have you seen the mortgage rate lately? You know, I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, everything, you know, all these. I'm not going to buy a house. I'm not going to buy a car. I'm not going to buy a house. I'm not, I'm not even going to buy furniture for the one I've got, you know, because interest rates are going up. If I have credit card debt, it suddenly just got a lot more expensive. Heck, I'm not going to go on a vacation. I may not go to St. Louis to promote a book because I don't want to pay $5 a gallon for gasoline. And, but we're that dog, right? And, and the Fed is choking us with these higher interest rates, okay? And, and the inflation itself is scaring us a little bit, okay? So we just stop. You know, if, if we stop moving, that is a recession. And now what is the Fed gonna do? The Fed will let the pressure off the, the choke collar, but you, as, as people who walk dogs know, you can't just loosen the, the the leash and expect the dog to move. Now, sometimes a dog might move for that reason, but my daughter's, <laughs> you know, golden retriever, I mean, I'm not putting any pressure on that leash and that dog's still just not going anywhere. So the Fed is much better on pulling back than it is on encouraging the dog to move forward. And so that's why recession is so scary. And what is recession? When that happens, People yes. get fired. The businesses don't have business. Because the demand curve falls. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do anything else on the house. So the construction company people, they may have to fire somebody. They may have to let somebody go. Or I'm not going to go buy another piece of furniture. You know, and so those people working on commission at Grand could be in trouble. Or the waitresses where I would normally go out to eat. Yeah, absolutely. In other words, you know, people sometimes say, oh, we're becoming a socialist economy. This absolutely proves we are not, okay? Because it was our decisions to spend money that fueled the inflation. And if we fall into a recession, okay, it will be our fear, okay, that things could get worse. It will be the Fed actually taking, making some things worse in terms of interest rates and that sort of thing, okay? It will be our reactions saying, Oh, I think I'm just going to be cautious for a while. And, and caution means 
other people's jobs. And then sometimes it'll come around and be your own job, <laughs> you know, and no one ever expects that when they say, I'm not going to buy a new car now, or I'm not going to go on vacation. They never think it'll be their own job. It's just hard to believe, Dr. Dobkins, that our individual decisions kind of gel at the same time as a population and that we are controlling the economy, that it is the fault is in ourselves. There is a huge field out there that talks about the psychology. You know, it's sort of a mass psychology thing. And we in the press, uh, the, I don't, listeners don't know this, do they? That I was a reporter for many years and I would have been doing a story about, you know, how, what will the Fed's actions mean for you? You know, does it mean you shouldn't buy a house right now? Does it mean, um, you shouldn't go on that vacation. You know, I mean, I could have done a story like that. That would have been a very reasonable thing for me with my joint background as a reporter and a, an economist to talk about. And, uh, and people read that. We all read it at the same time. And we all get fearful at the same time. Ah, uh, here and it is. That, it's the media's fault. There we oh, go. Oh, absolutely. Now we I mean, know. You, you knew that was going to come up. Yeah, <laughs> it always is. The, it always comes down always. to being the media's fault. <laughs> Except that we used to have recessions and... Um, and inflation, they used to be called panics back in the, the 19th century, um, before there was the kind of media power there is now. So people talk to each other, even if they don't have the media, they talk to each other. And we know, I mean, you know, you, you, can, you can see it at the gas pump. It doesn't take the media, you know, for you to drive by a gas station and say, wait, that was three something yesterday, it's four something today. Oh my gosh, you know, and that's real. And of course that drives, other prices up. If, if truckers are paying those prices, then you can be assured that inflation will spread through the economy. So Dr. Dobkins, we are, we, the time is just almost out, but in a nutshell, you've got to sum this up. Is the Fed action going to fix it? Oh, this is the problem. The Fed doesn't know. The Fed is doing its absolute best to read tea leaves, to try to dig into the psychology of the dog. And the Fed is going to try their very best not to choke the dog, but dogs are unpredictable. And when I say that, remember that's, we're unpredictable. How madly are we gonna react? You know, the Fed doesn't know that because it really is our individual reactions multiplied. I know that the Fed is gonna take their absolute best guess because they are the pros. You know. All right. And we're going to just do what we do and live with the consequences because everybody's doing it along with us. <laughs> Did you want good news today? <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Dr. Dobkins. Okay. Our time is out, but honestly, you have got to take 30 seconds, really just very quickly. You have a new book that's out. It is not about the economy. What is it? Where can people find it? They can find it on any online platform. This is from a big publisher, okay? If you're in the St. Louis area, you can find it in any book, any bookstore. Again, tell us the title. Storied and Scandalous St. Louis, A History of Breweries, Baseball, Prejudice, and Protest. And if you go looking for it, my pen name is Joe Allison, not Linda Dobkins. Oh Joe my goodness, you Allison. had to complicate it. Well, of okay, my on. guest today with her nom de plume, Joe Allison, is actually Dr. <laughs> Linda Dobkins, a fascinating economist and so kind to share your time with us, Linda. It was fun.
<laughs> I hope that the listeners are having fun too. I'm sure they are. And as a result, I bet they'll tune into this conversation Wednesday at six, Sunday at two, and stay tuned to 90.7. Thanks again. Thank you.